Mrs. Jones, I heard you got some news to share with everybody. I do. It's it's big, big news. Mm-hmm. I uh, I tested the waterproofness of my phone. And how did you do that? I dropped it in the toilet. <laughs> like a minute ago, AJ came downstairs ready to record the podcast. She's like, guess what I did? And I was like... Well, she's like, I dropped my phone in the toilet, which ensued a number of necessary questions like, was there anything in the toilet when you dropped it in there? Which, thankfully, there wasn't. Okay. And thankfully, it was clean. But your phone, they're waterproof. Yeah. yeah. It will be fine. I did scream. I didn't hear it. Yeah. Well, I did. I screamed. I, I've never I've never dropped any device in water before, and I'm thankful that this is waterproof, but uh, I just it just happened. It was I, so fast. I remember one time leaving my phone in my pants and I went through the laundry and everybody accused of me doing it deliberately so I could upgrade to a new phone that was coincidentally around that time. And it absolutely was not, but nobody would believe me. I wouldn't have believed you either. What? At that time. No. <laughs> when do we get to trust? Oh, that's oh, not a feeling. Oh, it's not Dang a feeling. It. Sorry. Talk to Chip. <laughs> How is everyone doing? We hope you had an amazing week this week. We've had a really good week, all things considered. We have. It's been a good week. I think partially because we had that Greek salad we talked about last week. Oh. Twice this week, including about an hour ago. I I tried to take Alan's uh, leftovers. Like, he wasn't eating it fast enough. I pushed my plate away to check something on my phone, and that apparently is a universal sign for spouses everywhere to go, are you done with that? Which is well, normally, the rules are normally reversed. That's what you do with me. It's such a good salad. There's something else you're excited about that you launched last night on Instagram to everyone's great surprise, including myself. Yes. Well, you did know about it. Well, I knew about it in the, I had like about 24 hours notice from everybody else because you were like, I would like to do this thing. Could you make a video? And I was like, yes, but it was all your idea. I had nothing to do with it. So tell the good people what you've done. Yeah, I'm going to be doing a 12-week live course this summer. (laughs) When you say you're going to be doing it, like you mean you're doing it or you're leading it? Well, I'm leading it. So uh, the material has already been uh, created. Yep. Uh, So we have a book that we're going through. We have videos that we're going through. And then I'm going to be meeting live with everybody on Saturday, those that go through the course, uh, and just sort of having coffee. That's perhaps my favorite part. Coffee Uh, makes everything better. And answering questions and praying for people, things like that. So talk to me, like if I'm listening and I, tell me more about that. So I'm interested. What am I going to get out of it? You are going to get out of it uh, being able to hear God's voice having hindrances broken down between you and the Father and having more intimacy with the Lord. That's amazing. And so you've written a book. For those of you who don't know, AJ's written a book called Finding Father. You said it's been out for 10 years? 10 years. Astonishing. I know. So people are going to be using the book. Yep. And then they'll be working through the videos that accompany the book that they'll have access to. Yep. And then every Saturday morning, you're going to sit down with everybody who's, who's on the course and just do a live chat, live stream. Yes. And you're excited about coffee. I'm so excited. And I'm excited to meet the people that are going to go through it and help them. If that sounds interesting to you, how do the people who that sounds interesting to find out more information? Uh, go to alanandaj.com and you'll be able to see all the information there. Here's the thing, though. You're kicking off June 1st. I am. Which gives you not a lot of time to decide whether you want to do this. And actually, registration for it cuts off May 31st. Yes. And you've decided to steeply discount, because we have a video course that goes along with your book. Yes. That's normally 200 bucks. You've decided you're going to cut that in half. Yes. 
just for this just to, for this to do this so if you've ever wanted to do the video course this would be perfect because you get the guide who actually wrote the book and speaks in all the videos to accompany you yeah it's gonna be great all right well we've been in this series on feelings we've had a lot of fun with it it feels like it's really resonating with you thank you for all your encouragement you've been giving us uh, it's nice to do a podcast where there's so much energy around it feels like people are really getting into the topic i'm loving the continuity too mm-hmm. of just being able to do one after another and and kind of you know see what see what that looks like and we've been doing this out of the work of dr chip dodd he came up with this premise that there's eight core feelings just like there's eight musical notes in an octave just like there's three primary colors and we've talked about five of the feelings so, so far yeah. and our sixth feeling try and say that fast sixth feeling is what we're going to be talking about today <laughs> which is shame but i do want to put a little teaser we've got a very exciting announcement that we want to tell you about if you've been loving this series you're going to love my announcement but we're going to be sneaky and keep it till the end it's interesting to talk about shame because if you're you know if you've listened to our podcast for a while or you're from a similar church culture to us We've done a lot of ministry and a lot of talking about shame, and it's actually not the same thing that we're talking about today. Yeah, this totally threw me. When I read Chip's book, I again, I eye-rolled so much when we got to shame, because in our world, in the inner healing world, in the school of supernatural life world, if you've been at Grace Center, if you've done an encounter weekend, we've talked and teach a lot about shame, about why shame is a bad thing. We talk about, you know, being a shame-based culture. We talk about the shame-fear control cycle. We talk about, like, shame, boo, get rid of shame. That's something we want to work on. And now we come to something... uh, using the same name, shame, but we're going to realize we're talking about something completely different. So this week's episode is going to differ a little bit in format from the way we've done the previous uh, episodes. Yeah. So in previous episodes, we have talked about what the feeling is, and then we talk about what the gift is of that feeling, and then we move on to the impairment. But because of the potential for confusion, Mm -hmm. we're going to do it backwards today. So we're going to actually start by talking about what the impairment is. So we're going to talk about the impairment of shame, yes, which is toxic Toxic shame. shame. (laughs) And you might be thinking, wait, what? So here's our cheat sheet to help you understand Toxic shame is Chip's terminology for what we previously referred to as shame. Yes. So let me give you some meat on that. So in the past, when we've talked about the shame for control cycle, when we've done ministry into shame, if you've done the school with us, if you've been on Encounter Weekend and we minister into shame, technically what we're ministering into is what Chip calls toxic Toxic shame. shame. Yeah. So then the next question might be was, well, okay, if I now know what toxic shame is, like the bad stuff, and don't worry, we'll describe it a little bit more detail. If that's the impaired version, then what is like the other shame that we speak of? Right. Like what's what's the goodness that is found in shame? Right. Like what's the feeling shame if if what we know as shame is toxic shame or impaired shame? It's a great question. How many shames could we mention in this thing? <laughs> Well, the shame that we're talking about, just to make things simpler, like the, the, the feeling that we're talking about shame, let's refer to that as healthy shame. Okay. Which, again, seems like a paradox for those of us who have done work in shame. Right. So healthy shame is this beautiful feeling that inside the feeling that lets us know that we have limitations, that while I might have gifts, actually, I'm not God. Healthy shame gives us these parameters that we are limited by design. We're limited in that we need other people. We're limited in that we need God. We're limited in that we can't do everything ourselves. We're limited in that we flourish better in community. We're limited a bit like we're talking about last week that I'm really good at speaking, but I'm not really good at plumbing. And that's okay. That's healthy shame. Now, you might be thinking that sounds nothing like the shame, you know, I've 
I, when I think about shame, that doesn't sound like shame. Precisely, you know, Chip yes. is introducing us to this new concept that feeling shame, being aware of our limitations is actually a really, really good thing. And all the other kind of negative side of shame is what he would refer to as toxic shame. Yes. Yeah. So healthy shame is often the feeling that we hate the most because it reminds us at our core that we're actually limited and needy people. Right. And we've been trained in a culture to hide our needs right. and not have limits. Right. I'm oh, just going to power through, just going to ace through this thing. Limitations are for losers. That's right. Type A personalities. Yeah. We're going to do this. Right. And that's like, uh, no, that's yeah. not how we're built. So healthy shame, this really good thing that tells us we have limitations. Toxic shame is the impairment when we don't want to feel the shame of having limitations. Yes. Um, the gift of healthy shame is? Humility. And here's how humility works. Humility comes from us understanding that we actually have limitations. Yes. That while we're wonderful, and we are, and while we have gifts, at the same time, we have limitations. And all our giftedness and all of our awesomeness is still not enough because we still need other people and God to be who we are in this world. Right. And that's humility. It's just an understanding that, like, that's actually okay. Yeah, humility is a right understanding of who you are and who you're not. Oh, why didn't you just say that earlier well, instead of me tripping Sorry. over my tongue? <laughs> we often talk, like in our culture, about our love of people who walk with a limp. Yes. And what we mean by that is there's something beautiful about being around people who've had brokenness in their life right. because they quote-unquote walk with a limp. Right. right. Which comes from the Bible, you know, when Jacob wrestled with God. And then to the angel of the Lord touched his hip, and from that day on, he walked with a limp. Yes. There's something beautiful about being around people who are aware that their giftedness is not everything about them. And there's equally something scary about being around people that haven't actually experienced failure or have done everything to avoid it and have done everything to avoid humility, basically. What's the fear? Like you say, it's scary. Like what, what do you think the fear is for you? Uh, for me, I find it difficult to trust them because I think you learn so much about yourself and you learn so much about God in having to come through your own weakness mm -hmm. and God meets you in the midst of it and you learn about yourself and you learn about, you know, your strengths and your weaknesses and you can have a weakness. Right. I'm deeply suspicious of people who present an appearance of being flawless, of having no difficulties, of having no trouble. Yeah. Because I'm like, I don't think that's true of the human experience. So I feel like you're lying to me. Yes. But that could just be me. And me. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently both of us. <laughs> so that dynamic that we're talking about, like walking with a limp, that's one of the ways that humility is birthed in our life. Like, So we all have giftedness. We're all gifted. We are all indeed gifts. But until we experience some level of brokenness, we tend to use that giftedness to promote ourselves, to protect ourselves. We form our identity around our giftedness. Maybe which it is, becomes a weapon. Oh, which is terrible, by the way, because you don't take your gifts to heaven. Right? There's no need for your Ooh. giftedness. Like <laughs> Heaven is not waiting for me to get there and be a good teacher. Yes. Heaven is not waiting there for AJ to make them a Greek salad. All right? So you don't take your gifts to heaven. You take your character to heaven. We don't know that heaven is not waiting for my Greek salad. <laughs> okay. We're just saying. Remember, we're talking about oh. healthy shame. Oh, right. Yes. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, that, that salad was so good. It could be heavenly. See, I understand yeah. where you're going. Yeah. So if, if we haven't experienced brokenness, we make our whole identity, our whole life about our giftedness, 
The beauty of brokenness is that we understand in real terms, not not theologically, not theoretically, that we have limitations, that our giftedness is not enough, that our community doesn't really need our gifts, our community needs us as a package. And so once we experience that brokenness, the motivation for why we operate in our gift changes, the, the motivation changes that like I now allow myself to be part of a community where my gifts are wanted, my gifts are welcome, and I serve others rather than serving myself with my giftedness. Yeah. Does that make sense? So yeah. rather than use the gift in me to promote me, to keep me safe, to um, form a view of me that seems more acceptable to other people, I now actually use my gift on a platter of servitude to serve other people. Yes. And it's beautiful. Yes. And when you've got a community of humble people who know their giftedness. Because humility is like, no, no, I'm not very good at cooking Greek salads. No, I'm not very good at teaching. It serves nobody because when you're in that Well, that's fake, false humility. Yeah, when you're in that false humility, you deny the gift that you are to the community that you have. Yes. And it's one of the most nauseating things in the church today. Yeah. But I'm just going to like slow myself down and calm myself down. I think humility also, like having to acknowledge weakness and and choosing to move towards humility kind of gets the spiky edges off of people. Mm-hmm. You know that thing that you experience where you're like, I don't know what it is about you, but when I touch you, I feel like, uh, you you know, there's a sharpness that doesn't feel. I wonder if the sharpness comes from uh, a territorialness of like, actually, I am the gifted whatever. Like, this is my gifting. And so I'm feeling some level of competition. So I have to scare you off because this is my thing and this is what I've built my life around. Or maybe you just need to be perfect. Ooh. Because you can't be perfect and have shame. So the value of pain and brokenness is actually that we get to see our own neediness. Mm -hmm. And limitations. Yeah. Which comes back to what we talked about last week, that the joy is a tender response to weakness. Yeah. There's something beautiful about being around broken and vulnerable people who are not trying to hide their brokenness and their vulnerability. Right. And equally, there's something terrifying and nauseating about being around people who are trying to hide what everybody else can see and what we all know. Right. This afternoon, I had just a really sweet, tender conversation with uh, two of my oldest and dearest friends, Glenn and Anna. They live in Scotland. I obviously live in America. I've known Anna since I was 15 years old. Wow. We went to the same uh, Bible study when we were both in high school. And I met Glenn. I met Glenn in my first year of university. He was fresh off the boat from Ireland. And... (laughs) I don't know how old he was. He was probably like 18 or 19. I've known them both for over 25 years. Well, one might say you've not only known them that long, but terrorized them at times. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> to know me is to be terrorized it's by true. me. It's true. So these dear friends of mine that like we have this rich 25 plus year history and, and we you know stay in contact. I, I was the best man at Glenn's wedding. Glenn was the best man at my wedding. Uh, they've, you know, they've got three beautiful daughters. I, I love them to pieces and I have terrorized Glenn my whole life. Yes. Oh, the stories that man could tell. And just talking to them today was beautiful. Just catching up with them, having this rich kind of connection that you can only have with people that you've known 20 plus years over FaceTime, just having a conversation. And I was thinking about a conversation many years ago I had with them when I, when I lived in Scotland. And I remember dearly, I remember their apartment and they lived in the kind of like attic of this old uh, couple's house in Edinburgh. Beautiful house. Yeah. Probably worth millions. But they lived in this kind of like creepy attic part. And I remember them sitting down 
sink me down and trying to what I would call give me a confrontation, like with kindness and with beauty. And they, you know, these are people who love me. They know me probably better than anybody else at that time. And they're sitting down and all they're trying to do is say, hey, Alan, you probably don't realize this, but this is how you're being experienced. Like we experience it. If we're experiencing it, probably other people. And I remember listening to them. And I remember like doing the nice Christian, like nodding. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, And in my head, just thinking, oh my gosh, they're so adorable. And then when they finished, uh, tell me all the stuff that was clearly wrong. I remember just doing the nice, sweet, sickly Christian. Well, thank you. I will pray about it. And I remember my prayers were like, Lord, what's up with them? My critical spirit much? And honestly, just threw out what they were trying to say. Like, I could not hear the weaknesses that they were trying to point out. Yes. Presumably because having a weakness meant I was flawed and I didn't, you know, I'm resisting humility, basically, moving to toxic shame. Because probably, again, I don't remember much. I do remember thinking you're wrong. And then my timing might be off, but maybe about a year later, two years later, I went to work for a boss. I think everybody needs to work under a horrible boss. At some point? Yeah. I've done it, so I don't need to do it again. I just think it accelerates the thing that we're talking about. Like having unjust authority labor over you produces character far faster. At least it did in me. It is a pressure cooker of character formation. And I remember working for this ogre of a man. I mean, he was a cross between pre-Donkey Shrek and Darth Vader. Like He was just a ghastly, (laughs) aggressive ogre of a man. Okay. And I remember maybe working for him for like a week or two weeks. And I remember going back to Glenn and Anna going, everything you said was right. Because I could see in him everything they were saying to me. Like, you know, it's the whole thing of, you know, God will use the weaknesses of others to refine the weaknesses of you. And that's what was happening. This man was me. Like everything I hated in him, I had to admit was, oh, so present in me. Like where you were headed. Oh, well, not even where I was headed. I think I was neck and neck. And I just saw in a mirror like, oh god like this is what you're oh this is what i'm like and it it was horrible but a gift from god yeah and it's that whole thing of like god will use a kind messenger and a hard messenger glenn and anna were the kind messenger and i couldn't hear them <laughs> you were like and so god no. sent a hard messenger <laughs> it's again like you either fall on the rock or the rock falls on you yeah so what was the point of that story about weaknesses and humility like they tried to point out my weaknesses. I had no humility. I got ground into a pulp by this ogre of a man. I learned humility in that season. Yes, you do, don't you? So healthy shame in marriage is actually really wonderful because I can acknowledge my weaknesses and on, my for strengths. For the record, and take your time. <laughs> Be as slow and as methodical as you'd like. <laughs> Thank you, darling. That's so sweet. In all seriousness, this is not an example of healthy shame at all. But a couple of weeks ago, we were on a podcast and I said something and then you corrected me. And I was like, I I don't think I said that. You're like, no, you did. And then because it's recorded when I'm going back through editing, I was like, and I'll clip and clip and I'll save that for later. (laughs) (laughs) Because you didn't, you mean? I didn't. Oh, no. I didn't. Well. Okay. Ignore everything I just said because that's not an example of healthy shame. (laughs) (laughs) But you were talking about marriage. That was keeping it later for a toxic shame episode. How lovely. love keeping a record of wrongs. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, 
I think without healthy shame, you would keep a record of wrongs. Like you, you live like that, sure, you know. Yeah. Um, we'll just ignore what well, you just well, said you would, a few yeah, moments score, ago. <laughs> scorekeeping, which we've yeah, done. Yeah. yeah, we have. Are you kidding me? Yeah, absolutely. You're yeah. like, oh, well, I will save that as ammunition for later when I need to snipe you. Yeah, and it, so it's it's interesting actually because even in processing with the kids, yes, like they'll come in and MJ will say stuff like, "Mommy." Um, you know, whatever you cook more than daddy or you cook better than daddy or whatever the thing is. And I'm like, Hey, that's, that's one of my strengths. You know, daddy's strengths are Zelda. What are my strengths? And- <laughs> Say them out again, slowly, methodically, very, very clearly, slowly and in list formation. Um, but they understand that we balance life mm-hmm. by playing to each other's strengths and not being like critical of each other's weaknesses, but just going, Which hey. It's not always been that way. That's true. There, there, I can think of plenty of times I've shamed you for not being good at what I'm good at and not having any grace for it. Because I'm just like, it's just a DHCP server. Just That's reconfigure right. your IP. It's like not, <laughs> just renew the lease. And you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then conversely, you're just like, it says fold it in, not, right. not whisk it. And I'm like, what's the difference between folding and whisking? Well, I don't know. Stop yelling at me about <laughs> TCIP servers, I don't care. <laughs> it's probably not even the right letters. Well, it's close. It okay. had the right letters. Okay. Yeah, TCP a, IP. There okay, we go. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so I can think of times when we've absolutely, and I'm, we're not trying to paint an unrealistic picture of our yeah. marriage. Yeah, yeah. There are days when we are not gracious we, with that. Absolutely. However, yeah. I would say this has really, really helped us understand the gift limitation thing. Yes. And the, and again, it introduces joy into marriage because if we can treat each other with tenderness, like there's a joy that I can help you when you're weak. Yeah. And uh, I was just thinking about last week when I was helping you with spelling, that was not joyful. That, no. Do you want to talk about that? <laughs> we could. Okay. So the thing is, is I can't spell. <laughs> like... <laughs> I can't. I just can't spell. I've never really been able to spell well. Uh, I I heavily rely on spell check, and if it doesn't pick it up, I assume it's fine. And uh, and then I love hearing you make your visible thinking. And, I never knew that part. And I randomly capitalize things because it just looks right in my head. <laughs> so if I AJ like has a condition it, called capitalitis, <laughs> where. True. It's just random yeah. capitalization yeah. with no you know, rhyme or reason. You know what? It, it feels right to me. Uh-huh. Yeah. So um, last week, I actually sent a text message. Uh, well, he, the problem number one was I wasn't wearing my glasses when I texted. And I can't actually see my phone now unless I hold it really far away, which I didn't do. So I fat-thumbed it and, <laughs> and sent this text which i thought was probably fine i couldn't like see it properly you also hadn't had coffee i hadn't had coffee it was very early in the morning there was a whole bunch of things stacked against me in this scenario but anyway i sent it out to our whole senior team to which alan appeared after a few minutes and was like uh i was like are you having a stroke i think it's actually what i said (laughs) are you having a stroke was that text a cry for help which didn't set the tone for Hey, you have some limitations. Would you like me to help in your limitations? Well, right. So I had realized after I'd sent it, uh, I put on my glasses within about 30 seconds of that before he showed up. And then I was like, oh my gosh, what did I just send? 
And I'm thinking, okay, I have to fix this. I'll go back in. I'll make it make sense. And then he appears. I was trying to be jovial, but it came across as patronizing. Yeah, it totally did. Right. Yeah, it, di- it didn't come across as jovial. So I was like, okay, uh, I'm, okay, I'm going to fix it. Uh, to which you responded, do you want me to stay and read it over for you afterwards? And Which when I hear that said back to me, like probably wasn't my smartest move. <laughs> Okay. It was like, hey, you big idiot. Do you want me to stay and read this for you? Because even with your glasses on, I'm not sure. You know. Although, to be fair, what happened? Well, it depends on how you want to tell the story. So, you know, anyway, it's 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 to our team. And I, I fixed it and it made sense. But Alan afterwards, when I came downstairs... Do you want to say what you said, <laughs> Mister? Keeping no record of wrong. Well, the the so my reason to stay behind <laughs> and help was I anticipated that the same problem would repeat itself, which it did, because <laughs> there was well, now thirteen errors instead didn't. of like when he's talking about <laughs> errors, he's like, "Well, there's two. It shouldn't have been two spaces instead of one." I'm like, "Nobody cares about this. This is like a speed piece of information this is why i have to save them because the story gets changed (laughs) and i probably have it still on my laptop where we could pull it up and i could show you your unedited version this is going terribly let's not use this example in the podcast so this is an example a recent example of us not being okay with one another's limitations like i am not okay in that moment with your limitations sure and i wasn't okay with my limitations either right but i think i wanted grace extended and i didn't feel any grace from you oh and when you retell it like there was not much grace yeah i i feel like i should apologize again you you, uh, go ahead did you want to apologize Uh, yeah baby i'm sorry i was (laughs) insensitive and i didn't treat your limitations with kindness thank you would you forgive me i do i forgive you of course do you want to go have special cuddles okay all right (laughs) let's finish the podcast first okay i could be yeah that'd be better yeah i'm sorry did you just suggest the podcast would be foreplay the one about shame Let's move on, shall we? <laughs> you know, you talk about the beauty, and there is beauty. Like, we've given an example where there's not beauty. But there is beauty in marriage and understanding one another's limitations. Like, yes. I experience on a daily basis from you. You are very, very good at serving me in my limitation. You you really are. Like, you know, if I was left to my own devices, I'd just eat Snickers. And that would be, like, my nutrition. I'm like, well, there's peanuts in it. deep so, fry them. <laughs> it's all through food groups. It's fine. And you take care of me. Well, babe, but you do the same for me. You you take care of my technical stuff. You like make all of my devices work and do all of the online everything. Yeah, the I'm yeah. the online everything guy. Yeah, you make us look good. But thinking about that, I was thinking this afternoon, knowing that we're going to go record a podcast today. I was thinking about one of the beautiful things about working at Grace Center, and really to give honor where honors due, Jeff and Becky have done a beautiful job of creating a culture. Where you don't have to be perfect to be wonderful. Yeah. Like what I love about our community that I've experienced, and this comes straight from the top, is that many of the things that I would think are limitations, Jeff somehow isn't dissuaded by that and has created a team where like AJ and I are part of the senior leadership team at Gray Center. And when I think about that team, it is this beautiful team of people who've got very, very strong gifts 
and yeah. very, very significant limitations. Like, yes. We would all say that. Like, I know I am severely limited in many areas, and I also recognize I bring many gifts to the table. And that's true of everybody I sit at the table with. And somehow that works, that our strengths and our weaknesses cover for one another. And I think that's beautiful. Yeah. That we're, I am not shamed because I'm not like Tony. Yeah. Tony is celebrated for being Tony. Alan is celebrated for being Alan and and so on and so forth. Right. And it's beautiful. Yeah. And so all of this freedom where I get to be me, you get to be you, Jeff gets to be Jeff and so on and so forth. And nobody's shamed for their weaknesses is beautiful. Yeah. It's wonderful. Chip has this great saying. I was reading his book. Uh, I, he said it at one of the lectures. I wrote it down. It was so good. He said, the greatest fulfillment in life is to be of maximum service to others through being yourself. Wow. And that's what I feel like. I feel like my job, uh, I get paid to be me full time. Yeah, me too. I love it. Which I love. Yeah. So if you can find a job where you get to have maximum impact by being yourself and yeah. get paid for it. Yeah. You've won. And we've actually, I mean, again, uh, obviously I love Grace Center. I love being at Grace Center, but it's just been really fun, even with the people we lead, to be able to hand that d- down, as yeah. it were, like to be like, no, this is, you get to be you. Yeah. And you get to be the best version of you, and you don't have to look like the other person mm-hmm. beside, you know, like, so we all get to help each other in this great team environment. I love it. Yeah. I think, too, if you can't admit that you have a weakness, you actually can't ask for help. Oh, absolutely. Right. So then you really are in trouble. Right. Because you now have a weakness and an unwillingness to ask for help. And so whatever it is that you end up doing is is not going to be what you wanted. Chip says in his book, and I'm quoting here, but I'm adding in the word healthy before shame. Yes. Sorry, Chip, for adjusting your manuscript. Healthy shame is the feeling that first brings us into relationship with ourselves because it makes us conscious of our incompleteness. Even in our confidence and ability, healthy shame helps us see that we need others. It points out our shortcomings, our humanity, so that we better understand ourselves for who we uniquely are, so that we can value ourselves for how we were uniquely created. Despite all our shortcomings, we are quite capable and competent, sometimes even extraordinary. Healthy shame reminds us that we're not God. Yeah. Healthy shame says, I have limitations and that's totally okay. Yeah. Healthy shame is is a prerequisite for boundaries. Yeah. Like I have limits and so I'm going to have boundaries to help preserve those limits. Healthy shame is a prerequisite for healthy life. Boom. You were talking earlier about, you know, if you don't have healthy shame, you can't ask for help. Yeah. I was thinking about Jesus's words, you know, the whole come unto me. All who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. rest. Right, take my yoke upon me. Well, let's just actually read it rather than misquote okay, it. Okay. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight says, "Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light." You can't fulfill this verse without first understanding that you need His rest. Yeah. Like you need healthy shame to understand like I'm limited, therefore I need some rest. Right. Where in contrast, pride says, No, no, I'm all good, thanks. I don't need rest. I don't yeah. need help. I'll I'm rest when I'm dead. Home. I'm all good, yeah. <laughs> Whereas humility says I can rest because I like I'm not enough. I can rest because I'm a human. Yeah. I can rest because I need rest. 
<laughs> right. I right. can rest because the world doesn't depend on me doing everything. Right. So let's go back now with an understanding of like, this is what healthy shame is. This is the gift of healthy shame. It's 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 humility. Yeah. Let's go back now and talk about toxic shame with okay. which we're familiar. Yes. We, we, hitherto, the artist formerly known as shame. Right. right? Now known as toxic shame. <laughs> toxic shame says humility means weakness. Yes. Toxic shame says needing rest is for pansies. Yeah, it's for wimps. Toxic shame says if you make a mistake, that means you're written off. You're useless. Yeah. Toxic shame says inability means worthlessness. Like, And we we notice that a lot. So part of our job is to help raise leaders. We notice in the very early stages, the embryonic stages of raising leaders, their performance is up so high because they're leading other people who are going to make their own decisions, which they think are going to reflect on whether they're a good leader or not. Yeah. So we often watch in our early stages of raising leaders, they st- step into codependency to seemingly help the people they're leading, but really it's narcissism. They're only helping the people so that they don't look bad as a, as a bad leader. And that's toxic shame speaking. Wow. Like I'm only I'm only as good as the the behavior of the people that I'm leading and I'm like, "Oh, body." Wow. So toxic shame basically denies that we're needy humans or oh, if yeah. If we have a need, then we're broken. Yeah, oh, we're revulsed that like we need other people. Why can't I just make it like right. with somebody else? That's right. toxic shame at work. So, does it seem to you like perfectionism is what feeds toxic shame, or one of the things that can oh, feed it? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's like a, it's a mask that you can wear so that people can't see how you are. Like at the root of toxic shame is like I am flawed. I'm uniquely and hopelessly flawed. I am wrong. So I will just cover up with whatever performance addiction to hide that so the world can't see it. Right. Doesn't work though. So remember last week when we were talking about fear and yes. the impairment of fear had two impairments? Mm-hmm. It's the same with toxic sh- <gasps> shame. Like so, It's a two for one. Yeah, a two for. The the impairment of shame is toxic shame, yes. but also the impairment of sh- healthy shame is also contempt. Really oh. contempt for who we are, contempt yes. for how we're made, contempt that God made us with limitations, contempt that I have need, contempt that it's uh, utterly unacceptable that uh, I can't do everything. Yeah. I actually remember a fairly long season in my early 20s where I had so much contempt for other people's weakness because, and I didn't realize it was because I had so much contempt for my own. Oh, sure. And I couldn't admit to my own, so I openly admitted to my contempt for others. Great. Yeah, it was beautiful. So much easier to just point out the flaws in others than, than look at ourselves. So much easier. Yeah, thanks. Glenn and Anna. You know, it's that whole, um, you, you know, it, you s- got speck it. and oh. log scenario. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, there's a speck. Oh, I have a tree. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, just disregard the yeah, tree. But your speck Let's is talk terrible. About speck. <laughs> Somebody once told me that the acronym for shame stands for should have already mastered everything. Yes. Right? And this contempt, this toxic shame, it speaks harshly to its host. Yes. Right? There's no winning. It's just going to completely live in condemnation. Yeah. In his book, Voice of the Heart, Chip says, Toxic shame. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just I'm having to right hold now. the book about six feet from AJ's face. <laughs> it's social distancing it's, reading. It's, But this is like shame. You know what? I can't read it closer. So I can admit my limitation and, and I'm just happy say, to help hold it. Away could you from hold me. it way over there so I can see it? Okay, so toxic shame helps us deny our natural condition that we are left with anxiety, 
dread of what will happen, and a demand to control, struggle to keep others away from our hearts. In healthy shame, we say, I am limited, which leads us to ask for help. In toxic shame, I am limited becomes, I am a mistake. This poisons the truth of our hearts and forces us to go it alone. Continuing, Chip says this, those who feel toxic shame are very hard on themselves. They're always trying to earn everything from love to grace. They live with a millstone around their necks. To hide this pain, many shame-bound people spend their lives achieving and obtaining great things, but never experience the wholeness for which they were working. Comes back to your perfectionism. So sad. So that's our sixth feeling, which is healthy shame or shame, as Chip calls it. Yeah. So if you, the gift of shame or healthy shame is humility and the impairment, if we refuse to feel our limitations, if we refuse to recognize we're not God, if we refuse to feel our healthy shame, we move to toxic shame and we move to contempt. Doesn't sound like a good idea, does it? So here's what I'm excited about that I wanted to share with you. I reached out to Dr. Chip Dodd earlier today and just explained who we were and what we've been doing and said, I would love it. It would be super special if we could have you on the podcast to do kind of like a bonus session at the end where you could maybe answer our listeners' questions. And he emailed back and was like, I would love to. Let's make it happen. So I don't know when that's going to happen, but here's what I'd love you to do. If you've got questions that you've been hearing us talk, because again, this isn't our revelation. We've just been impacted by it. We're, we've got our own limitations and our understanding of it. But we're going to have literally the person who wrote the book on yeah. the show. Yeah. If you've got questions for Dr. Chip, just uh, go to alanandaj.com slash ask, and you can fill in a form. You can send in a question, and we'll do our best to ask him those questions and get him to answer them. Yay for that. I'm super excited. Oh, I'm so excited. He's so lovely, Chip. Oh, super sweet. You can get the show notes for today's episode at alanandaj.com. And we want to thank, again, our patrons who help us make this show. Yeah, without our patrons, you would not be able to watch the video if you are indeed watching the video. Uh, Patrons are just wonderful, beautiful, and handsome listeners just like you who want to support the show. And so they give anywhere from a dollar an episode each month. And we greatly, greatly appreciate their support. If you would like to become a patron, you can do so by going to alanandaj.com slash patron. Thanks so much for spending time with us this week. We're so glad that you came along for the ride and we look forward to being with you next week. Bye-bye. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games, paleo donuts and the kindness of God, the things we deal with every day. From Franklin, Tennessee, they are just like you and me, Alan yeah. and AJ, oh, yeah. keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses, sharing their yeah. life experiences, oh, yeah. keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses, they talk about faith in God, and everything under the sun, if you are a human being. There's something here for everyone.